Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Football Index Weekly Podcast featuring Perry F.I. My name's John Nellis. I host this show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at IrishFI1. And yeah, this episode's great. Last week's episode was the most listens ever in uh, the first week of recording. It hasn't even been a week and it's smashed through that barrier. And the past month has been the biggest month ever on the podcast by some way, like by a lot. And that's all thanks to you guys hitting the subscribe button and leaving me reviews. That's what does that. So please, please, please make sure you subscribe. Leave a review. Five stars if you can. Please don't leave less unless you hate me. And yeah, you'll be doing me a solid one. If you're looking for more content on the weekly basis, every Sunday night recently I've been doing Sunday service over on YouTube. So if you look up Football Index on YouTube, you should find it. It's just me chatting. It's a live call-in show. Some people call in. We do bits and bobs. So if you're also looking for some more content, go and check that out. And the last thing before we get into the episode, big shout out to sponsors of the show, Footstock. Footstock have some, made some really interesting announcements recently and decisions, and they're brilliant. Do you know, they're, they're really having a really positive effect on the platform. The packs are seeming to, people mightn't believe me here, but I genuinely think the packs are starting to show a bit more value than they did before. And even the market, you know, the prices are looking pretty stable, pretty solid. Tournaments, there's a good few people entering. And they've just sent out an email about a refer a friend week, I think it is. Basically, everyone's going to be referring their mates for extra bonuses. So I could see a lot of signups coming in the next week or two, which will be great for the platform. If Footstock's something you've heard about and you don't know what it is, send me a message anywhere you want. Let's have a chat about it. If you do decide to just take the plunge and sign up, please use my link. I'm an affiliate. Link is in the description. You'll get a 50% bonus on your deposit, your initial deposit, in, and you receive that in contest credit if you sign up. So if you stick 100 quid in, you get 50 quid's worth of tournament credit to just go and enter tournaments with. How bad? And that's about it, guys. That's the that's the sponsor of the show. That's all the things I want you to do. I hope you are doing well. Things are starting to look a little bit up in Football Index. Hopefully football comes back. And hopefully, uh, you know, Football Index makes some big decisions on the, the mechanics in the market and things continue to rise coming into next year. So, look, it's been an interesting few weeks. Let's hope it uh, settles down a bit and let's hope it doesn't become more interesting in the coming weeks. Thank you so much for listening. I'll chat to you next week. And now I'm joined by Perry F.I. Perry, how are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me on. No, thank you very much for joining me. Um, there was meant to be another man here. There's a, there's a big hole in the, in this podcast now where F.I. Big Don or Little Don, I think he's calling himself these days, should have been, but he couldn't make it, unfortunately. Uh, what can you do? So we'll soldier on without him. Um, that means any of your Dawn questions, unfortunately, are a bit uh, defunct. Some of them are about keep it casual. Some of them are about Trent Alexander-Arnold. You'll have to ask him yourself now or try and convince him to come on at a later date. But Perry, all about you now, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself, your time on FI, anything else you feel relevant before we get into this. Cool. Yeah, so this is my third season on the Index, joined August 2018. Um, my career background has always been um, in and around the trading floor of investment banks, specifically in commodities. Um, my most recent uh, role was commodity trading COO, which uh, is a background that helps me on the index, gives me insight into how markets move and how trading sort of dynamics work. 
um, in rural, in the rural financial markets. Um, and then gambling background, I've always liked to gamble, uh, always been a massive football fan, always have a dabble there. Uh, I'm in a horse racing syndicate for about 15 years or so with a good friend of mine where we follow the jump season, culminates in doing a week at Cheltenham, which I absolutely love. Um, and uh, I had a period in my younger days where I did um, po- uh, poker, where I was making my, my, uh, my primary source of income was via that. Um, and it all sort of culminated in uh, finding the Football Index product and it ticked so many boxes for me and uh, something that has just grown and grown and uh, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, being part of it and you know, doing things like this now, podcast talking about it. Love, well, that's it. it. You're big time now, Perry, you know, yeah. <laughs> doing the, doing the yeah. podcast circuit. <laughs> yeah, it's different levels. Different level. <laughs> pro, pro leagues. That's it, yeah. No, no, that's very interesting. You know, I think a, a lot of people, maybe not the job experience or whatever, it's, it's brilliant that it's so relevant to FI, but the kind of the poker scene and the football and the horses, you know, a lot of people kind of get into football index from different ways. But in terms of the poker thing, just very quickly, were you, did you sort of, um, a veil of kind of the golden days of online poker. Uh, undoubtedly, uh, the party poker days where we had a big US crowd. It was you know you could get multiple tables, and you know I had I created a small edge for myself on the tables, and it was just about playing as many hands as I could. Um, so you know back in the day, you're playing about eight eight tables at once, and you could do that. There was enough people playing at the time. You go on PokerStars now, you, you, know, you struggle to really multi-table. Uh, uh, it's not the same, um, and the quality is better now. Back then, there was plenty of crap players. And well, that's make money off yeah, so uh, yeah, that's huge. Uh, so yeah, it was a time then. I mean, I was a lot younger. So what? Uh, what was the money? Money needed for me to uh, go down the pub and go to some crap holiday in Spain <laughs> was a lot less than the, my wife's taste and my two kids I've got now. But, yeah, <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. Uh, it was a good time. Yeah, and and poker. I, mean, I talked poker about it for hours, but you know, it's it's great. Uh, game to learn to understand um you know m- applying odds to decisions and then not judging that decision by the outcome but by whether you had to, you made the right decision on the information you had at the time i think that way about most things afterwards and certainly on fi yeah like a, a losing bet isn't necessarily a bad bet and a good bet yeah you know doesn't necessarily win i think it's very interesting and poker definitely teaches a lot of discipline in that respect but we move on, Perry. Something very interesting about you recently in recent times is within the last week. Um, you were on the Trader panel. Now, yes. I I wasn't. Maybe one day I will be. Can you tell us anything about that Trader panel? I don't know what questions I have. I suppose how much of what was fed back to FI was really represented well in their recent comms, the, the updated FI HQ one, which we'll get into. Um, did you feel they listened to you? What was the kind of sentiment around it? How many people yeah. were at it? stuff like that yeah so uh, uh, i'll say okay so it was first of all the fact that they were doing the panels was was positive to me because it meant they wanted to listen um so that was the, the biggest positive before i even sat down to it there was a good mix of traders i don't mean it's fair for me to name who they were but i mean if you search around uh, online then i'm sure you can figure it you, you'll find out who was there but was, they were good traders um and some people i didn't know because there was, there was a good mix i think there was around six of seven possibly uh, traders and then there was around five or so from fi on the other side and it was just a google meeting Jeez, i thought um, there would have been way more than that well they recorded it so um they were gonna you mean traders or on the FI traders side? like traders well yeah uh, well, well there's seven and did, i know they, of three or they four did one or? on monday and they did one on thursday i was mm-hmm. on the thursday one so you could double double that in terms of traders but 
you know, we, we as amongst the traders, we arranged a pre-call amongst ourselves and we chatted. And, you know, you've only got a lot of people uh, have asked me uh, that know I was on it. You know, what, what, do, what was raised, what was discussed? Now, you've only got to look at the timeline and uh, or, you know, yeah. different things, uh, Slack or Figs Discord and read these things. You get a f- we, we all know the themes, you know, liquidity, uh, market breakers, um, you know, debt. We're we'll talking about all these sort of things later, but we, we know what the themes are. So the idea that traders went into the panel and brought these things up and fired some ideas across. I mean, I think the community, I mean, if you're on the outside of something, you always wonder what, it's, what was said, but in fairness, the community's got a good idea what was said, because mm. we all go around in circles on socials, talking about what the issues are and what the potential ideas were. You know, it wasn't really about talking about particular ideas. It was just talking about what the issues were and why we were upset about things like comms and things like that. And if I were good, they were noting these things down. They were very professional. They didn't say, uh, you're right, we're going to change that now. Or, you know, we weren't party to any... Uh, inside information or anything like that it was just them listening really and understanding our passion and maybe some of that passion was negative of some of the things that had gone on and them understanding where they'd got wrong so I think them understanding that is a big a big thing and you know I, I was keen to sort of stress just what the ideas they could do for short-term fixes because I, I, I always think when people talk about say liquidity like oh just find someone to put you know 20 million quid in. Like, yeah, that's, if, if you could apply that to every business that so, you know i've got a great business if only someone gave me a few million quid you know yeah. they, those those things aren't instant so i was more keen to focus on the things that they could just the the, the smaller stuff that they could change now that was in their power and you know and i think that was the general opinion of the group and you know they they uh, they, they i was expecting comms to come out uh, not because of the trader meeting but just in general because where we were as a market and those comms were a first step, I thought, to improving uh, the, the, what they said. Yeah, I mean, we, the, the um, Adam Cole one, I thought was awful the week before or a few days before. I lost track. Yeah, it was pretty poor, but, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've hired a new comms uh, uh, lady that's come in. She's been there about a week or two. Who was their old now. comms person? Have they just been fired? I think they should be hung and shot at. But, uh, <laughs> okay, no holds back. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, it, whatever they were doing, it wasn't working. And I always like prefer. I prefer to, so I speak. I prefer to spend my time talking about what they're doing to fix it, rather than dwelling on what was bad in the past. We all know. I think mean, as, as much as people argue on Twitter and things, I think everyone agrees the comms pretty poor at, in, over, over the course of history. But hiring this professional person to do that can only help. And uh, we've had a few false dawns on this, but hopefully you'd expect things to improve. And doing things like the panel and hearing in detail why and passionately about why the comms are bad and what impact it has and things like that can only be good for FI and I think they've, they've said they're going to look to do more of these and different sort of focus groups and things like that and you know you, every, any good business understands its customers and I think there has, there has been a disconnect uh, between FI and a large part of its customers recently um, and the, the, more, the sooner they bridge that the better it will be for the product so they think they're going about that in the right way. The thing I find kind of crazy from a comms perspective is it's much harder than it looks because you can literally make the correct decision on comms but if you don't word it correctly it can be a shitstorm. Like the example I would give is a couple of weeks ago they waived the 2% um, commission for another couple of weeks. Now in the heat of the moment now I, I was 
guilty, proper guilty actually, if you give if, if if we're taking the platform I have as well. I didn't say it on a podcast, but I mean even having four thousand followers on Twitter, there's a lot of FI accounts that do, but you know, when you tweet things, maybe you need to have a bit of responsibility, and that's something I took from the Zen and SOTD pod. But in the wake of that, I was like, geez, I wouldn't have done that, or like, fuck, I wonder how many in the Twitter panel would suggest this. But what I was more getting at was like, you could have told me before they made those comms that if you were waving the 2% for another bit of time, that there would have been a shitstorm. Because people were like, people who are on FI wrongly, you could say, or rightly. A lot of them are kind of relatively casual and don't pay the attention. And what they'll remember is the echoing sentiment of we need to bring in 2% commissions, we need to bring in 2% commissions and all, which was correct when the spreads were tight. You could argue, but now that the spreads were so big, it wouldn't have done anything. It just made it, made it worse. And in their comms, if they had of instead of just saying we're waving it, blah, 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 if they had a sort of like took into account and understood where a lot of the community's heads were from following Twitter for weeks, for following Slack and here and there and Facebook or whatever, I knew it would have went down a shitstorm wrongly. Um, if they had said in their comms something like, we know when the spreads were tight, there were calls for this, and you know, at the time you were probably correct, it would have worked, but unfortunately due to X and Y and Z, the spreads have loosened, the liquidity isn't there, we feel bringing in 2% would further reduce liquidity and blah 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 and this is why we've made this decision or something it's just the wording of the comms you can literally make the correct decision but if you don't educate or or communicate correctly within those comms that's what they are they're comms if you're not communicating correctly what the fuck are you doing you can have backlash for the correct decision and it's just such a fine line i think it's where they flip-flop between ideas and, and one of the things i was keen to stress to them is focus on one thing, deliver it well, smash it, and then move on to the next thing. I feel like they're always juggling multiple things. And the commission on bids is one of those. You know, is it's funny because you end up with people arguing that they've got people who are like passionate who say, I want commission on bids, whereas in reality, they, you know, normally you wouldn't say, I want, I want to pay more commission. I want to pay know, 2%. It, it, yeah, it's like, hold on, how did this happen? And it's because they always are like delaying it and they could have, it's communicating if we all feel that we can get fi to change their mind on things or they will change their mind on things and then that leads to the debate mm. about stuff we say you know what fi should do is this and that whereas if fi are firmer in you know they don't need to tell us absolutely everything the company doesn't need to explain uh, their whole business plan at all times but they do need to, to come across as competent that what they are thinking there's a rational thought process behind it i might not disagree with all of it but that doesn't really matter it's just that they uh, they believe in something and they're following it through and i think it's that uncertainty that leads to uh people then being ultra critical and at yeah. times they just feel like an announcement like, well i think it's i think they think an announcement will fix this you know and adam cole said oh by the way guys fca yeah, and <laughs> that was the worst thing that they could say to people at that time i think that the fca regulation would be great for the platform but i also think that telling people about that when they're fearful and prices are tanking isn't going to make people less fearful it's just fluff. more change more change yeah and it's something that won't be quick either so it's just not something you need to tell people right now and it's something else just floating there now that we've got in our mental uh, book of work that the fi has whereas if they just told us a handful of things and then, then they were delivering them well it would change how people think of it but I think they're on the right path, but you know it's not 
It's almost like Adam Cole's like a kid with ADHD and he's like, ooh, this is cool or ooh, the media monitor or ooh, what about this or oh, fuck this, this could be great, let's do this. And like everything gets mentioned within the comms when really 50% of it needs mentioned and only half of that even needs elaborated on and it ends up having NASDAQ deadlines, IPOs, what about the media monitor, what about this fucking FAC or whatever it is, what about this, what about that and everything just gets kicked down the road and it's late whenever, do you know, like the 2% thing, I think a lot of people got it in their head that this 2% thing, it'd be, we need to bring it back in. I'd rather pay 2% commission and get more bigger dividends. That was from whenever they made the shit dividend announcement and that lasted however many weeks or a month. In that time, people were saying, give us the 2%, we don't care. We just want bigger dividends. And then there were also people saying, because the spreads were so tight, we need to give people incentive to hit the blue button, put the commissions on, and then if someone scores a couple of goals with these five times IPDs, they'll hit the blue button, great. So everyone had this in their heads, we need the 2%, we need the 2%. And then when they didn't bring the 2% and there was backlash and there was no need. Um, but anyway, that that's kind of calms for you. It's a fucking minefield, really. Um, is there anything else on, on the, the sort of trader panel? before we move on to these actual what's happening at FIHQ comms that they released over the last few days? Uh, not really, to be honest. They, 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 they listened, they took it away, um, and yeah, that was it, really. They weren't going to give us, as I said, any inside information or dates or anything. It was more that they were listening. They recorded it. They said it's going to go around uh, the, uh, the, you know, the, the senior guys in the business. I think all of us made various forms of presentations or bullet point lists or, or, or anything when we sent that. So they've got great um, information in front of them now that will help them make decisions. So, you know, onwards and upwards. But ultimately, we know the real fixes to this are, you know, actions. Uh, more than just, yeah, actions, exactly. That's what said it better than me. Okay, well, look, we'll, we'll go on quickly, Perry. I don't know, do you have the what's happening, what's happening at FI comms in front of you? Do you? Uh, yeah. You do the what's happening at Football Index HQ, and it's quite a long two-page document. Like, I don't know how to go through it without reading it out, really. But um, we'll try and skim over bits we can. Basically, hello traders, it's been a busy week here at FI. We spent a lot of time listening to your feedback and assessing the next steps that need to be taken, and we'd like to update you on where we're at. So this was released not long. I think it was on Friday, a day after the second trader panel. The principal goal of Orderbooks was to increase liquidity in the market. In September 2020 alone, 43 million worth of liquidity was organically provided by traders, but we appreciate that more needs to be done and we're finalizing steps to address this. That said, this cannot be done in isolation. It's vital we restore traders' trust in the platform and rebuild positive sentiment, which is why we're making the changes outlined below. The implementation of Orderbooks and FI was a huge project. It enhanced the product and produced a reliable and scalable trading platform. However, we acknowledge there's further work to be done. Gauging how easily traders would adapt to Orderbooks wasn't a simple task, and despite our best efforts, we didn't hit the high standards we set ourselves in this occasion. Now, that line itself, Perry, I think a lot of people liked that. A lot of people just liked that acknowledgement. It was just almost like a nod of, yep, we fucked up a bit here, guys. And I think, yeah, rightly or wrongly, that's what a lot of the community just needed or wanted. It was just an acknowledgement that, you know what, it's not all fucking rockets and candy floss. Exactly. We we, we haven't hit the mark on this occasion. Um, we, I mean, we're all British, right? We prefer people talking down themselves rather than bigging themselves. Not all of us are British, Perry, but close true, enough. Very true, very um, <laughs> Near enough. Neighbours, neighbours. Yeah, it's what people want to hear. I mean, for, for me, I mean, the main thing about this, if you were to sum up this, this comms that they sent, it talks about things that they can easily fix. And it kind of goes back to what I was just saying that, you know, they, they said they're going to change the feed ticker and things like that. Now, I mean, do I, 
do I think that's going to fix the problem? No, but it's a, it's a small, small, small part in in doing it. And they're talking about, you know, if yeah, they know that the key to solving to moving these prices up rather is the dividends and the yields that you earn, which are really impressive. So you can see most points they have here: dividend yield representation, dividend winnings table, dividend filters, things like that, are all to highlight that to traders. So they're basically yeah. making it more front and center what their their key uh, USP is or one of their key USPs is how much how many the yields that you can make. So that that you can see, and they have all that data. So it's just a case of fiddling around with the app, which isn't instant, but it's also doable rather than building a matching engine and tying to Nasdaq tech and things. It feels like it's something that's, that's mm. easier, you know, and then they know they're admitted the put. And then after that, the comms go on and it starts getting less firmer because then you're getting into the heart, the, the more difficult things. So the portfolio valuation calculation, you know, we could talk for hours about that. Why 300 was wrong why i still don't think 900 is the answer and you know i i, I you know I, I i sort of pitched them a percentage system as other people like lee b that's articulated this really well um and a lot of other people you know like fig and things have said about percentages uh, on his show so it's it's uh that I, I can see hopefully that's some way that they'll go but they they haven't nailed down what they're going to do and i don't want them to nail that down i want them to do it right mm. you know, that's the most important thing you know they, they can't they've, they've done it wrong They've, they've kind of admitted that, but their next move has to be a really good one. So I want them to really design it, think about it. I think you could you could think that if I have struggled modeling this, you'd hope they have struggled modeling it because the, the change they put in was awful. So um, they clearly didn't model it right. Um, so they need to get that right. So that, it's good that they're acknowledging it, but we still haven't got the actual answer. So that's, that's something. And then we all know that depth um, is, is so important to this market. There's some questions coming up, so we can talk about that more. Uh, and again, they're saying that it's coming, but they haven't really said what they're doing. I, I personally, we'll talk about depth later, but I would like to see some in interim measures. Um, and then circuit breakers, I think this is fantastic. We definitely need that. I think it's a really bad that they didn't have that in place. Well, is, a, what is, it, is a circuit breaker, breaker just a thing in their tech in place that if there's X amount of volatility within a player or the market, it basically just shuts off? It's more a market rather than the an individual player. But if if there's a run on an exchange, the exchange stops and pauses uh, for a, a set period of time. So it's it allows people to stop, take a breath, and, and consider what they're doing. So and then and then people can align their thoughts. Um, it, it's it's a way of just of controlling it. So it doesn't you don't permanently close the exchange. But if in the scenario, let's say where the whole exchange goes down ten percent because everyone's just like having a shitstorm about mm. something. You just put you you put circuit breaker gets acted, the exchange closes, um, everyone take a collection uh, you know co collects their thoughts and then it will reopen at some later time. Now th there might be a legitimate reason why there was a run, or it might be just an overreaction to something, and it's just a way of add adding some level of control and not letting everyone just panic and mm, actually cost the themselves money. Yeah, crash the market and and, and maybe maybe you're making incorrect decisions. So is that a regular feature of other markets? Yes, yes. So this and would be expected here. It's not it's very much expected, and it doesn't mean that you know. If say, if you got you mentioned an individual player, it shouldn't be done because by an individual player. But we know certain players are influential. So let's say uh, Jaden Sancho has a leg cough or something extreme, right? You know that everyone's going to. I think yeah, I'm not wishing that on the fella, but uh, it, it, you, everyone's going to be like, right, I need to get out of that. 
and uh, uh, we shouldn't talk about individual players, we talk about it as a market. So there'll be a legitimate reason for an exit. So when the market reopens, that price will come down. But we're talking about a circuit breaker is not about individual players, it's the market as a whole. And then, so you're still free to trade when it reopens, it just gives everyone a moment to mm. collect their thoughts. Take a breath. So it's the kind of thing that you'd expect on an exchange. And, and I said earlier that I don't like to spend too much time criticizing previous decisions or more focused on the the correct uh, course of action. So the circuit breaker for me is is just what you expect. Now it's quite possible that that circuit breaker will never ever be used. Mm. As, as a trader, you just want to know it's in the background. It makes you feel more secure in the product and your money sitting there. Um, so it's good that they're they're bringing that in. Uh, just on that quickly before we go on well first off actually when you say about not dwelling on the past and focusing on the future quick point in that it's something I just want to reiterate I mentioned I've mentioned it loads in the podcast before but really I think there's no time that it's more pertinent it's that what FI are doing is unprecedented this is they are the pioneers of this market of this way of trading footballers and stuff they're going to make mistakes they don't really have anyone to look for for solid advice they're going to have to take a few punts in the dark and hope it works out and adapt and adjust as it happens so you know that that's kind of, I mean, people like to call FI a startup. It's been five years. They're probably not a startup now, but at the same time, you know, this is what you're backing. We all love the platform. We all love the idea. There are going to be ro- there are going to be little bumps, and that's only natural whenever you have something this innovative. It's only natural that they're going to make a few dodgy decisions, but it's how they correct them and how they bounce back. The second thing is just a quick story Perry. you see when you mentioned Sancho getting his leg cut off now I don't know if you listen to my podcast if, if you've listened in the past a lot of new listeners here as well I'll tell you a very very quick story I think it was back in sort of September to December time I used to do a little weekly bonus podcast with Trading Bear and Todd Cantwell had just been IPO'd and basically the next week we were talking about I was talking about the IPOs and he was IPO'd 125 Trading Bear what happens if Todd Cantwell gets kneecapped like, let's say he gets fucking shot in both his knees and he's out forever. Can his price on the current pricing mechanism at the time, can it go below 125 or is 125 the bottom? Do you know, like, because it started at 125, every 900 body went up a penny. If all those 900s are instant sold, there'll be no more to sell. Can he go below 125? Anyway, I titled the podcast Todd Cantwell Gets Kneecapped because apparently you meant to make things about clickbaity. And uh, little did I know, his brother, Jordan Cantwell, listens to the podcast. I think he still does. Um... And Jordan, I got a message off him like the day after I'd posted it being like, John, you give me a fucking heart attack. I thought my brother had been kneecapped. <laughs> so I shouldn't maybe title this one, Jaden Sancho's leg gets chopped off. Definitely not. <laughs> but I just thought, you never fucking know who's listening to you. Um, anyway, there was two quick tangents I just wanted to throw in. The next thing was liquidity and then the media monitor. Yeah, so they talk about liquidity. Uh, again, they, they, they highlight how much traders themselves have, have, have floated. And I think it's a point often missed on, on traders that you know, we're all market makers in our own way. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we have obscure views on some, so we have views on some obscure players in random leagues and things like that, and we make markets on them. So it's, it's, it's a, I thought it was a good point if I hadn't raised it. But we also know that in, you know, in similar things like Betfair and things like that, there are tons of liquidity providers on there, and we, we aren't quite there yet on Football Index. And that's why we're seeing, well, why we've seen what we have. So it's, I thought it, in terms of comms, it was good they've highlighted the 43 million. But meanwhile, as they say, they're continuing to provide liquidity through the, the one, one uh, person they have or the one team they have. And then there's looking for more. We know that. And as I said earlier, it, it's not a quick thing. I know that as well. But um, they need to just keep plugging that away at that one. And also, 
you know, FI themselves can be a market maker as they used to with IS. So we don't know now they changed the ticker. Uh, I like that they have changed the ticker, but we don't know whether FI are doing uh, some buying themselves. And there's certainly uh, something they've got in their you know, weapon they've got in their arsenal uh, to do to help with the liquidity. It's possible that's going on. We don't know. Um, the media monitor, they say, they remind us that they're doing that. I think they've highlighted that they've shifted their, their priorities a bit because of this order books. Um, and, you know, again, you could highlight, well, why? You know, that, that media has been there like this from the beginning. So do I, I think it's good that, they, that the changes they've suggested they're going to make. But also it was sitting there working okay before. So for me, it was never the number one priority. It's a good thing to change. But if you know you're going to be delivering this FI built or, uh, order books, and then you're going to be plugging in that NASDAQ a few weeks or a month or so later, then, you know, they needed to be confident they could launch this and they, they, you know, they failed on that. So it's another thing, as I said earlier, if you say you're going to do something, do it well. Now, because they've said they're going to do this and they're going to do it by the, this season starts, now we're pissed off it hasn't. Whereas in reality, and I might stop and someone might moan, oh, why haven't they done the media monitor yet? Whereas beforehand, they wouldn't have even been moaning about that. Mm. Uh, it's because FI told us it was coming on a date and it didn't. So... <clears throat> It's a, it's an own goal, but you know we are where we are with it, and I don't think um, you know the the big change would be if and when they said they're going to review it, they bring in more international media. That's a huge change, you know. And they they did a poll on that, and it worries me that they listened to what the you know a result on a poll rather than maybe a bit more in depth. Um, but that would be huge. Whereas the 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 new the change in media is just going to benefit the big players. Big players are the are the, high, are the um, most expensive. So I don't see it having a huge. It obviously has an impact. But I don't see it having a huge impact on the market. So I'm not so fussed about that. And then they talk about Nasdaq and uh, IPOs. Uh, we know Nasdaq's coming. Blah blah blah. I feel like we've been talking about Nasdaq for too long now. They just need to deliver it. Um, I know that like COVID. And like the whole workforce working from home probably doesn't help them, I'm sure, deliver something like this. Hmm. I know that, you know, these kind of projects, I've done you know, sort of many sort of tech projects in my time, in my career, and they always tend to go on like longer. There's always some sort of complication you didn't quite foresee. Um, yeah, I get it. And I, I imagine plugging into, you know, FI been open about their old systems being pretty poor. So I can imagine trying to plug in. Uh, some Nasdaq tech into what if I had probably challenging and that's why they've had to build a lot internally as well so I can see that and then they've said that you know IPOs will be coming with that which um, you know people want IPOs but we have to remember how thin the market is so it's it's, it's something that we you know I want you know like it's criminal that someone like Rainer at Dortmund isn't on the platform at the moment but at the same time if the market's really thin uh, you know just get out football index for a second if the market's thin you don't you don't put in measures that make it thinner so, and that's what IPOs do in a sense. So I think I do want IPOs, but it has to be launched at the right moment when when the, the market's ready for it. And I'd rather not have Rainer. I'm used to not having Rainer in my book uh, at the moment. So I'd rather <laughs> that stays as it is and let the market behave uh, rationally again. And then you'll see it in a healthy state where IPOs are, are the right thing to do. But I don't think that's right now. So that was the bit that I was like, well, not yet, guys. Mm. Yeah, I know you hear the old people moan about them, but there are more important things at the moment. Well, I think everyone can appreciate that as much as they might want their Reina in their portfolio, it's just going to take more money out of the market to buy IPOs. People were already doing it a month ago, anticipating IPOs now or before now, because um, I think they'd reference that IPOs would be coming. And it's literally people will just go in and they'll look at their portfolio and they'll see because historically now these ipos probably won't be as like lucrative as as past days 
definitely not. Um, but people still will think IPOs, IPOs. And what they do is they look at their, their portfolio and they go, geez, Mbappe's only got like a 1.3% spread. Fuck it, IS. I'll make that up on the IPOs. Do you know, that that's what people will do, rightly or wrongly. That is 100% what they'll do. And it'll make the top end struggle a good bit. Um, sure, it'll be a learning curve for people when it comes. I mean, you you know, I, I mentioned Rayner. I mean, I think he's probably the most famous player not on the index. Uh, someone can tweet and tell me I'm wrong on that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I I I, yeah, I I would like exposure to him, but if he IPO'd on this um this auction style at ten pounds, say, just for a round number, mm. would I want him? Would I want to buy him at that? No. So it 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 depends what price he is. It's not a case of the old system where you just fast his finger, refresh, refresh, refresh in a really dull, boring afternoon waiting, and then you uh, it comes up and you can flip out or you get a player a good early price and you feel like uh, you feel like you're a genius but really what you've done is just that, like just stare at mm. a screen and press refresh it won't be like that going forward and i imagine the first round will be uh pretty choppy because people won't really get that and then they'll suddenly find they've got a player in their port that they probably overpaid for um and you know players can now go down below their ipo price whereas before they couldn't and uh, people will uh will probably won't but not a lot of people learn by visual and they won't really get that until they see it and mm. then they'll be like, shit, I'm not doing another IPO. <laughs> or, or, or I am, but I'm the right player at the right price, which is the right answer, rather than like, I'm getting on a player because I want that player. It's about price and valuations. Yeah, we'll be interesting to see how the IPOs go, and I'll be interested to see when NASDAQ happens. The one thing they put a deadline on, I mean, the one criticism I seen, well, there was a couple maybe, but the, the main one I seen of the comms was there were no dates. We got no dates. Yeah. But as you said, it's probably better for them to be right than to put a date on just to score another own goal. The only thing I seen them put in was media monitor, hopefully by the end of 2020. So that is. Yeah, I, I, get, I see both sides of that. I mean, in my career, you'd have to nail me to a wall to get me to tell you a date on something because I'd never yeah. want to be uh, held to that later. So I'd, you always want to give, tell people what's going on, give as clear, transparent communication as you can, but also not have something out there that you're late to be proved wrong on. So you just, you're revealing priorities is what I always found easier to do to people saying that this is my number one priority. I'm going to get this done as quickly as I can rather than just as they have done, just scattergun everything and then make. Yeah. One promises you can't keep. You know, we all know that in our personal lives, right? You know, my <laughs> missus will get more pissed off at me if I tell her something and don't do it rather than... Rather than <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other way around. I cut the so. grass. It's my number one priority. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it'll be done today. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Insight there. How, how I manage my marriage. <laughs> well, look, moving on from those, I suppose it's the impact they had on the market. The question I kind of had here for you uh, was... That the spreads have tightened pretty significantly. Do you think that was down to more extreme market meeting on FI's end or LP001? Or do you think the comms did their job and restored some much needed confidence in the platform? Because it seemed pretty, like straight away after those comms, I was looking at the, I just opened FI and the top 200 or whatever, there were rises of over a quid. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a combination of things. Uh, you know, and, and, and what would be really nice in, in you know, FI, you know, uh, socials and things and, and just in ourselves when we stop questioning these things you know a market is going up great you know we, we always like is it a real rise is it a fake rise is it a <laughs> fire, land, or whatever you know it's going up you know we spent weeks and and you know a month or so arguing how, how cheap these prices were and then they and then they start going up and then we're like oh yeah was it the market maker you know so <laughs> you know sometimes people are only happy when it rains um so you know, they could have timed the, the some you know injection of liquidity with the announcement to help the help that positive. And they could have done that. But also, we know, and this is one of the most important things, uh, 
that it doesn't take that you know it's the market's thin and people always talk about that in terms of selling but it's thin in terms of buying so there's not many shares need to be bought to really raise these prices quicker than we saw in the old system um yeah and i'd say the the worst thing about that comms in terms of well the thing that i thought was missing the most when you mentioned dates but for me it was the issuance curve because if i still haven't explained how the issuance curve works, what at what point they mint new shares, and how easy these prices go up. I think they're still missing. Um, I think it's really bad they haven't done that, and that's the bit of clarity I want them to give people, because in my mind they mint new shares at the all-time high um, since bids came in, and that that's key because it means, and we're seeing that because players, you know, once you burst through that barrier of whatever the orders are, the lowest orders, you then suddenly can jump huge amounts. Um, so a lot of those rises, people might do the maths in their head and think like, I don't know, someone like Greedish when I've looked at any like uh, a quid and they think, oh, how many thousands and thousands does it take to move? What was he about 215? He's now about 350 now, roughly. Yeah. How many much money was that? Truth is, it probably wasn't a lot of money because if you burst through that order, you know, uh, number of orders there, there might be no more orders up for another, another you know, a pound as we saw or very few. And then you can burst through that. Um, so it's a key thing for FI to really explain to people because I think I think the 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 average punter that maybe is doesn't obsess about things as much as the likes of you and I do mm. uh, doesn't understand that and they think the path back up is really is a long one but in reality it's a quick one you know and on 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 particular players and then as the market as we have you know we're still at the start of the season we had an annoying international break now uh, you know as soon as the games start coming thick and fast and then. I think there's a lot of the big boys that um, that drag the market along with them. Once they start performing and you get a few, I'd call them popular PB winners, then that really boys mm. all the market and everyone else follows them. So, and as I say, it, it can move up very quickly now. So, so any kind of positive sentiment, as we saw with the announcement, can see prices really move with a lot less money than it would have done uh, previously. So we're praying for a Sancho hat trick is what you're telling me. Yes, mate. <laughs> my largest hold. Pretty much, yeah. No, I'm just hoping Trent starts doing something. He's been he's been off the boil for a bit. You could say I just hope he scores a, a free kick or two cracking assists in a game or just fourteen thousand yeah. crosses. I don't care how he does it. I just need a two hundred plus PV score and a win. That's all I That's need. It. I tell you, I've seen these lists that do the rounds on Twitter of the biggest foolers, and I sort of, at my first glance, I think, how have they seen a list of my port? How have they got that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's been tragic recently, but uh, I, I'm confident they'll turn around. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a fun, fun couple of weeks. Not been a fun couple of weeks. I'm kind of just numb to it now. Do you know if I look at my portfolio, my biggest drop, I've, I've, I had 225 trends at 941 average cost, and I thought I was laughing when he was over a tenner. Now he's down 739. Saka got him at 378. He went to like 450 and now he's back at 291. Down hundreds in these guys. Neymar's one that it's a funny one to look at. I'm down there, but what happened was I actually picked him up at like eight quid first time round. He got to over a tenner. I sold him and bought again to recycle for IPDs. I offered him and um, or I don't know how I did it, but basically I cost myself a couple of quid on commission, but based on the bid that I was getting him at, I took out most of the blah blah blah. But now I'm technically down, but I'm up. So that's what people need to realise as well. A lot of people would have recycled players for IPDs that have dropped. They probably got at cheaper prices. But yeah, some of them have came back up a good bit. And Bappe, I haven't lost too much on. But it is just those big boys took a fucking beating. But they're, yeah, they're they were going to. And that's the thing, though. Because the whole market's come down. I know there's a handful of players that have relatively held their prices. 
but you can't beat yourself up on individual holds because it's not about you pick the wrong you, you may well have picked some you know, bad players but um when the whole market is crashing that doesn't mean it's your you know you individually has done something wrong it's mm. uh, you've got to just uh, stay firm remember why you bought them and remember what your exit point was and your exit point shouldn't be oh because there's bad sentiment in the market right now therefore i'm going to drop it should be um you know something on the pictures i've changed yeah. uh, or uh, or you know or the, an event that you were waiting for and, and you, know, you should stick to that that strategy i think well, we have uh, about a million questions here, Perry, so we'll get stuck into them. A lot of them were for Don, who couldn't make it, so we'll skim over those ones. But first up, Ginger Pirlo. We saw some market buys quickly cut through the thin walls of these price traps. We've just talked about this. Do you predict this to continue and players to move towards their peak, or do you expect a constant to and fro over the coming weeks? Uh, yes, yeah, so I think we kind of t- talked about that in, in the you know previous uh, back and forth. Um, you know, I don't. You know, all markets don't move in straight lines. So I think you know, as we as we get more games, you're going to see some players really go up. You know, we the key is if those spreads are really tight and people are inclined to press buy now, then you're going to start seeing big rises because they're going to eat up those sell orders, um, or people can cancel their sell orders as well, and that will raise prices. So I think sometimes people forget that. Mm. Um, so. Uh, it's going to be a constant tour and throwing because we still haven't got a, uh, a, a you know a, a proper functioning market. Um, so you know I think there is a lot of liquidity being provided at the moment from external sources. We don't know if that can that level we've seen will continue. Um, there'll, there'll be there'll be you know ups and downs, bit bit of uh, stagnation I think at times. But certain players, as we've seen, can really move if if, uh, if uh, people put their money in there um, and start buying those sell orders. So yeah, it's gonna it's not gonna be a straight line until we get the full product. But uh, I I don't see uh, I don't see uh, 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 yeah it all just going down either. I think if, if if we get the games, people start enjoying them, the big players start dragging things up or popular holds, and you know the sentiment in the market in terms of traders improves, and we all go back to arguing about our holds and our pumps and dumps and all this sort of stuff. It should make things better if we just move on and time heals everything. And uh, you know the sooner we get away from debating market mechanics. And just start talking about football and watching football the better and that's what we're heading towards so i think we've got an upward trend in the immediate terms but a, a, but a fragile one um and then when we get all the more tech and, uh, and developments that we know fi are working on then i think uh, go back to you know the yields will be what drag us drag us forward do you want to know how sad my life is perry go on. i just got a little tingly feeling in my belly not no lower just my belly thinking about circa march to april next year potentially all this is behind us hopefully nasdaq's in hopefully there's infrastructure for ipos hopefully everyone's happy dividend yields are great prices are rising share, share split's been an, share split has been announced we're coming into euro 2021 and everyone's debating the best players for the tournament how nice a time will that fucking be i i've got no doubts on that i mean i've been talking to a lot of people um about this you know i have absolutely zero fear about the medium and long term about this company and about my portfolio um and you know i just think it's we're still at this great stage where there's lots of new money going to come in lots of current money people are going to grow their portfolios um and the dividends are absolutely fantastic and the hundred percent uh you know increase they did is just you know people kind of, they're so angry about order books they, i think they, they just don't stop to think how great that is it's just this short term bit we're in right now where we don't have the correct product or you know the mechanics aren't quite right we don't have everything on the table right now so yeah, i'm not worried about that but it's a bit annoying but it's where we are 
Um, and but medium to long term is absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, you you, know, you don't uh, you don't panic now. You wait for that. Mm. Ginger Pirlo, second question. Also, do you expect visible market depth to sustain prices going forward? So yeah, I think there's another question about uh, depth. Mm-hmm. So I'll just give him a shout out here because he asked that Gardner has been able to see market depth a good idea when there's potentially very little liquidity. Yeah. So uh, my view is is that depth is the answer we're all striving for, and you should never hold back the right answer. You should just deliver it. And you know, it's not a shock to me that I'll see a thin market because I know there's a thin market. Because look <laughs> at these freaking crazy price drops or, or recent uh, big rises we saw after a, 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 you know an, an okay announcement. Um, so I know it's thin. So just seeing the hard numbers don't tell me anything I don't already know. But what it will tell me is, you know, say you've got a player that's ten pound, and his uh, buy is sorry, his bid price is nine ninety, for instance. So you think, oh, I'm going to buy at a discount. There's my ten p. Say I'm going to put in a thousand pounds or something, just for round numbers. And we said, okay, so I'll buy him, and then you get this profit figure if you value it by now, or even if you show value at midpoint, you're going to have this profit figure showing, or if you can see depth and you buy, you hit the buy now button at ten pound, and you see that there's a that your thousand pound worth of buyers is going to um, is is going to wipe out the orders, and his price is going to jump to eleven pound because there's no you're you're going to buy. Suddenly you're sitting on a pound profit. You know I'm not going to talk about midpoint, but you know do the maths yourself. Yes, yeah. um, and uh, you know you you can see that, and and any any time you've got more information to guide your decision making you're in better shape so that's all depth is now that might mean that you put more bids in or you see that there's a bid you think's too high and you're going to come and one that's too low and you're going to come in between you know and you know that would low that would lower the bits and or widen spread that's fine um that and giving yourself more information and being more informed about the market is for me a positive undoubtedly so we need that in and it will just show people how quickly prices can move you know i do a, lot, a fair bit of, well not actually not too much these days but a bit of uh, betfair exchange stuff and um you you know when you you can see where you want to put your money based on where that depth is and where you think that, that market's moving and where you should be you know backing or laying um but backed on what your, your opinion is of whatever that market is as well and it just helps so i i definitely want it um, I'm, I'm annoyed we got the product delivered without it, but there are interim things you can do. You know, I mentioned that, you know, I used to work for investment banks and, you know, I would get daily, weekly, monthly market reports from the exchanges we worked on. And they're just like, uh, PDFs or Excel, um, d- downloads you could get from the exchange and it would show you a range of things, you know, open interest, volume of trades, um, you know, what type of people were buying and things like that. And it just allowed us to get a gauge of the of, of the market we were trading in. And so if you can't build this thing in the app, um, I would like FI just to do something like that. They've got their new data center they're trialing at the moment. I think it looks really good. Um, uh, I mean, I was quite impressed with that. They could put it on there or they could just do an email, just some basic stuff around trading volumes uh, on players. You know, they're all time high their IPO price, the volume of buyers, the volume of sales, the volume of open interest bids, the volume of uh, sale orders sitting there below market high, below the current, yeah, yeah, below market high, um, and things like that. And you'll just get a feel for it in the interim. And and it it transitions us from a snazzy app with it all there at the tip of your finger and absolutely trading blind that we have now. 
So I see that as a halfway house and something that's quite achievable because they have the data. They just need they just need to get one of their guys to pivot it and then make it look nice uh, on a website. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah, you know, like it's something that I could do in an hour or so if I had the raw data. I don't see it as a big a big thing. Yeah, um, Laming says, "What's the right balance between FI giving comms and FI putting out comms with no new details or deadlines?" Yeah, so I, I talked about this earlier. Really, uh, you know, I'd say. Uh, bad comms is worse than no comms uh, and it's just simple you know I think the trader panel put this to them quite clearly about they just need to get things right the next things they say they need to deliver on and you know I mentioned you know do one thing well you know I, I always prefer do one thing well rather than many things badly you know and yeah. then move on to the next thing and and that's what they need to do so um, uh, you know and as for Deadlines, I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I always, as a company, you want to steer clear of that, but you also want to give transparency. You know, I'm not, you know, do people, people care about uh, NASDAQ being Q4 because we've got this order book without NASDAQ. They mm. don't, I don't think people are angry about Q4 as such. It's just that uh, they, the fact that we've got this halfway house. So as, as I've said earlier, it's because they make bad decisions or because they have bad comms that then people get angry about these, these certain things. And they just need to be better run as a company that they can hit a few more of these deadlines and things and, and not feel that, yeah, that I think they don't realize that, that a lot of what traders want is stability. Stop fucking around with the rules. Stop fucking around with, uh, you know, uh, you know. Well, if you created this product from scratch, goalkeepers is something you probably include. But in a time when the market, you know that the market's thinly stretched. You know there's big changes in dropping goalkeepers when they did was probably a bad idea. You know, and mm. and I know a lot of people made money on that. But um, you want stability, so they need to get away from this idea that oh, I'll send some comms or let's get Adam, let's wheel Adam out and get him to say something. Um, and that will help us you know, just move away from that, move away from, uh, you know, Panda always says, you know, football index, not announcement index. And there's, mm. I, I call him on that all the time. And it's such a good point that uh, that's what we want. So really you want to come away from this, them feeling they need to send comms all the time and just deliver what they should deliver and what they've said they will. And people will not be hung up on this so much. You know, I think they should go away. I, I personally think that they shouldn't be just tweeting all these announcements all the time because then it clouds the 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 sort of uh, things they try and create buzz about the market on you know the, here we go again guys you know the dividends and stuff with every time and then so when we were all pissed off with fi because we thought they'd, they'd cocked up this implementation i'm sure we've all got like notifications on you get a notification if it right here we go this is going to fix it and then he goes oh when the fun stops stops that's not the uh so you know they know as a company they've got x number of users and i guarantee you they're not all on twitter and they, they've got that information as well how many followers they've got so they must know that there's other ways to communicate and that will just stop blurring the lines a bit i think and then people won't be hung up and waiting for announcements so much you know i've got accounts with most of the bookies and things like that uh, or trading platforms in financial markets i don't get bombarded with emails and tweets all the time from them uh, where they're changing what they're doing now i know this is a growth product and they're doing big implementation so it's different right now but if i just need to go into a period of stability and we're not all hanging around on a friday or, or waiting for their update on something mm. or um waiting for their birthday to get a bloody deposit bonus you know they need to just mature become a bit more mature and uh we won't be hung up on comms as, as much as we are just by delivering things and doing it yeah, well just fucking do it you don't need to tell yeah. us about it yeah mr market fi depth of bid seems to be on the horizon it seems as though depth of market including showing previously traded shares and prices is not going to be introduced 
do you think they're missing a trick by not including it? Yes, I think I answered that before. If they can't, if they can't put it in the app immediately, uh, then just send us some data in a spreadsheet or in a PDF. It's what other, it's what other trading exchanges do, and they've got the data. We know they've got the data. They can't just put it in. Well, they've got some data. Yeah. You know? And I, I would just like to see any kind of visibility. And then people, you'd see like on the comms they sent that people will clearly like. You know, just give throw people a bone and they'll grab onto it. You know, like so, just have show them something, and then. Um, yeah, people are happy. So yeah, I think I think I can't answer that one before in detail. This is a bit of a left field question from the best name on football index, Divi Rascal. On Love a scale it. of Love Manchester it. United to Borussia Dortmund, which football club would you compare football index to based on their ability to effectively manage and grow an organization? Uh yeah, so uh <laughs> it's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> Divi sounds a bit angry. Uh so uh, I'm not gonna compare them to a, a football club. Uh, you know, but you know, let's remember that the time frames we're dealing with. So you're talking about Man U being crap because um, they've, had, they've had a bad transfer window. They've still got some quality players, for instance. You know, so you know, let's not forget that. The, so over the last few weeks, FI have been awful. Yeah, of course they have. But they were also recently named number two on the Times list for you know these young tech companies that are you know, doing really well. And yeah, that's that's amazing. So on that sort of thing, you'd say they're doing great. So recently, very poor. I mean, he's asked me a football analogy, but let's let's check again at the end of the season how they've done. Yeah, yeah and I think they'll be doing they'll be doing brilliantly. So yeah, I think everyone's right to be angry with FI. I, I know I I have been because I think they've it was such a big uh, product launch and change, and I think they kind of fumbled their way through it. But okay, that's happened. But it doesn't change the underlying product uh, and the dividends we have, and how passionate we all are about it, and how much fun it is. When the market works properly, it's so much fun. Mm. You know, I'm sure we all uh, spent our time refreshing uh, uh, the the um, the what you call it, the rankings because we've just seen our player do a two yard pass. And we're excited <laughs> about it. You know, like uh, yeah, what I've a product. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every time I watch Kimmich, um, but it's. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it, it, it's it's the time frame that you're talking about. So the last few weeks, yeah, awful. But it doesn't change everything they've done to get themselves here, which from scratch is amazing. You know, the product that we love, challenging the established operators, doing a product that's not really out there anywhere else, like in this form. And the, the what they're building now, the pain we're feeling now is, is going to get us great benefits in the future. So I wouldn't... Um, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's been. You, you can't judge them right now. Mm. Tom, I don't actually know. All I have here in terms of names is Tom. There's probably a few out there, but this Tom wants to know who should be valued higher, Neymar or Sancho. Uh, okay, well the market says Sancho, doesn't it? Mm. At the moment, uh, but um, yeah, it it who should be valued higher? So you've got Neymar has negatives attached to him doesn't play uh you know every game his attitude stinks uh there's a potential barcelona move but barcelona uh got no money uh, and they're a bit of a shit state themselves at the moment um and then but you know he, when he when he does play obviously he's very well suited to pb uh but you know he seems to get suspended a lot these days and sometimes he doesn't want to play or it's his sister's birthday or something mm-hmm. um and then meanwhile, Sancho has the benefit of being English. You know, all the time we're not in other territories. That's huge. Um, uh, so, you know, we are an, uh, a, uh, you know, a UK-centric uh, uh, site and, and customer base. He's got a transfer in him to move, come back to the Premier League. That's massive. That builds buzz. A lot of big clubs are going to want him because he's so young. You know, age is a big thing there. So, you know, lifetime dibs and things like that you get involved in. Um, because he's young, 
you know, you look at how much he came on last season versus the season before. You know, he's improving. He hasn't really got going yet this year, but he could improve again and, and you know, sort of sky's the limit. Whereas on an older player, you know, it's just the way people work. He just, he's tried and tested, you know. Now, Neymar's a great PB hole, but people naturally want the new shiny thing. And that's kind of Sancho. You know, I mentioned him being English. The big advantage he has over Neymar is he's then got the Euros, which we're all going to be watching and obsessing over and things like that. And, um, you know, Neymar just simply doesn't have that um and then you know we all know there's a united bias in the media uh i don't mean in gmk terms but uh, <laughs> i mean yeah like it, it just every punditry panel you get it tends to have an x-man U player because they were the most successful team of the previous 20 years and that's that's where the, a lot of the successful retired players are coming from um people like to talk about it they're also a huge club in a real mess people like to talk about that as well so the 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 United links just helps his price as well. So it, make, it makes perfect sense to me of why his price is where it is versus someone like Neymar. And people have to remember that the, the price is made up of many, many factors. It's not a direct list of who your favourite footballers are, or who's the best in the world or anything like that. Otherwise, you know, Messi would be number one, wouldn't it? But, um, or Ronaldo, you know, get open that can of worms. But um, it's it's everything that, that you think building in and their few, and their you know the dividend yield and all just simply where their demand is. A lot of people will say, Do you know, I want Sancho, I want exposure to Sancho because maybe he's the best young player and, and you know, 21 years and young, or younger, or you could argue someone else, but that's the point, right? It's um, whereas Neymar, there's just always something negative uh, about him and he's not really playing, his attitude stinks. You could just see him, you know, maybe he could just decide to jack in and go, 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 you know, leave Europe or something like that. And I'm not saying he will, but uh, it's something you could think about and you could just see, you know, I can easily list negative things for an Amar's price, you know, apart from him being like a PB god when he plays, I think it's harder to list negative things for Sancho. So I can see people being happier to have more exposure to him than Neymar. Uh, some wouldn't, um, um, but it just makes sense to me why they're priced. So who should be valued higher? I say uh, the direct answer is whatever the market thinks. Uh, who do I think is a better hold, which is a different question for me, Sancho. Yeah, like you basically went through it all pretty pretty well there. I'm not going to bounce in massively, but just I agree with you. Sancho should probably be higher based on that potential aspect to it and all the biases and whatever that was mentioned. But just to reference Neymar, I don't think I gave Neymar enough respect as a player for years. I, I treated him like 40-year-old men do, like dads do these days. I've seen someone tweeting this recently. It might have been Bilo or someone, I'm not sure, saying like it was like a, a thread of Neymar's performance for Brazil or something. Or like, you know one of those videos that just shows him on the ball and it was like, but your dad still thinks he's shit because he rolls around or something. And that's how I kind of viewed Neymar for a couple of years before I really got into Football Index, what, twenty, nearly two years ago now. I didn't care so much for European football and obviously you hear about Neymar and you play with him on FIFA or whatever, but I never realised how good he was. But recently I've been watching a lot of, a lot of PSG. Honestly, see the man on the ball? He's fucking untouchable. He is yeah. ridiculously good. Now, I'm not trying to take away all those negative factors are fair, but if there's a player who I'd like to hold and watch on a football pitch, Neymar in the fucking league in is just a dream. He literally rips people to shreds. He just fucking nutmegs people for fun, goes past people. The passes, the flicks, the this, the that. Outrageous. Yeah. I just wish his attitude was better and he played more games. Yeah. Really. I mean, it, 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 the key for someone like him is that everything that PSG goes through him. Yeah. And, you know, it's important to highlight players like that and to sort of have, get exposure to them because they get, you know, real real high scores because of that, even before they even do something amazing. Mm. They're just, yeah, um, yeah that, that helps him. 
yeah but yeah and i definitely agree with this the idea that you want you know we talk about financial markets and things like that and and how this may be similar but it's also a fun product you know i have so much fun on the index and having a player that you like you know there's a million worse holds than Neymar is a good hold definitely a good hold but if you like watching him and then you've got some money on it and that adds to your enjoyment then there you want players you want players like that in your port Mm. for sure Kevil 5000 what do you think is a realistic yearly ROI now on FI cap app plus divs and what would you have answered a year ago yeah so I mentioned earlier that in my career you'd have to nail me to a wall to give a hard number on something so you're not (laughs) going to get me to do it on here I'm not going to tell you what your (laughs) ROI is Uh, and also it depends what your portfolio is people just and and I think maybe that's the thing that people miss they think oh you get on footwear index and you make a load of money you'll make some good decisions as well um so what I will say, though, uh, so I don't just give you a vague answer, is the ROI will be better than what I get from my ISA. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, and, and again, that sort of myth while everyone criticizes FI. It's like, you know, the returns are bloody good. I mean, amongst all this turmoil of the last month or two, I've been banking my highest ever dividends I've ever had on my, you know, two, two and a half years on the platform. So, um, yeah, people, I, I look at this product and I think, you know, we're still in a growth phase. When they, when they um, finish launching order books and then they get their marketing going again, there's so many things to happen. I think uh, NASDAQ tech, the FCA thing, enables us to potentially, easy, it's easier potentially to add more territories, things like that. So I still see us in a growth stage. I think we're a long way off where this thing plateaus. So uh, I just, I think the, you know, and this, 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 the most important answer to this question is, do I think, oh, you know, like, ROI is going to go up in a year's time yeah because the dividends have increased by 100 percent. you know mm. so the, the the yields you're going to be getting are going to be far higher and then naturally that's where the money flows when you know right now we've got broken mechanics and the market's not necessarily behaving in a rational way but that, that's temporary and once once that changes and you're going to get you know yeah, we know that like Bruno returned a monster amount of dividends last year. Uh, this year, he's not going to have quite the same media because he's not where he's transferred, but he's still you know, pen- penalty taker for Man United uh, in a season when we get more penalties. You know, it only take I use him as an example, but you know, if, it only takes um, a, you know a, a, a good run. You know, someone like Kimmich can run, can win PB five games in a row or something, and everyone goes like, "Have you seen these yields?" And then the cap app follows. The mm. cap app will follow the dividends. That's that's naturally how the index works. So once these guys start winning, then the cap app will catch up. Um, so yeah, I think RI uh, will be higher, but just not in this particular little uh, window we're in at the moment, mm. where um, you know we're dealing with market mechanics. But people need to be patient. As I, I answered another question by saying, you know, any market doesn't have straight lines on a graph doesn't have straight lines on it. So I think we've got the we've got an upward trend, but it, it can be rocky a little bit as we make our way up it. Mm. Burgundy Ballers asked a pretty loaded question here. Well, it's not loaded. I just kind of like it. It's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a thinker. With the transfer of Cavani, who would be your prediction to be the next has been to get a move to a big club? In FI, the underlying consensus is that over thirties are risky. Would you agree there is more of a risk in certain overinvested youth prospects than older, cheaper players? Yeah, it's a good question. So I love that. It's this. Uh... I don't know this guy, but I feel it feels like he's a Man U fan, right? He didn't like their transfer business. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted Sancho and he got Cavani. He got fucking Cavani, uh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, I'm not going to talk about has-beens. I think that's quite harsh on certain players. Uh, you know, there's, we know there's some clubs that have got some older ones and they shift them on, you know, like, uh, you know, um, 
uh, yeah, there's loads, but yeah, I don't need to debate who United's uh, transfer business, awful stuff they do is going to go next. But, you know, each player is his own market. People have to remember that. So, you know, it, it, um, you know in terms of their risk, they, you know, there can be a guy who had previously had a bad knee injury and that's adds more risk when he's 30. Or there can be someone like Ronaldo that's a bit of a specimen, and much older and just keeps on going. You know, he's an animal, you know. So you, each player individually is different. So you can't talk blanket terms. But, I kind of talked about this when we were talking earlier um, about Sancho and Neymar. You know, you, you know, young players have that hope, that hype, that excitement, that positive sentiment. Yeah, he's going to do this. He's doing that. I, I think it's great. Whereas older players, where they have more data, more data. Yeah, as, as human beings, or as, I think it's quite. I admit, like culture where we are at the moment, people like to build people up, and then they like to knock them down when they get there. You see it in football players time and time again. Yeah, um, I think the English in particular are awful for this. So you can see where a big player just has people having knocks in. You know, I think Trent, even though I'd call him a young player, but he's getting it at the moment where people are like slagging him off because he didn't have you know, a couple of games that were a bit average. And, and meanwhile, um, you know, um, you know, Robertson had a couple of good games. But it's, um, it's once you've got, once you're on top of that pedestal, it's, people like to knock them down. Whereas when you're on your way up, it's easier to build them up. So I think that, 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 that plays a bit of a risk. But, um, yeah, but also, you know, I talk about this a lot. You don't need to say, I only buy young guys and therefore I don't buy any old guys. You can have a balanced portfolio. So if you've got a guy that's over 30 and he's banging in the goals and uh, or assists and he's got a bit of a PB gold or something like that, then buy him if you like him. You know, you don't need to say, yeah, but because I've also got holds in a few young players and I see that as my, I would call myself a youth trader, therefore I can't do that. You can do both. You can blend blend these things. You know, I, I, I want exposure to lots of ends of the market. So I don't, I don't, um, there's different risk in every player is one of my main points. And a, a, an older player certainly has uh, uh, risks associated with his age, but he also has the fact that older players tend to be the ones that are the leaders in the team. Get, they're on free kicks, they're on penalties. They're also the ones that maybe are the match winner and things like that. And there's mm. lots of upsides there too. So. Like Lewandowski and Ronaldo and Messi. They're old exactly. as fuck. But I mean, by God, they'll score your goals and win your PB. Exactly. So yeah, for sure, they've got downward pressures on their cap out. Definitely because of their age and the three-year bet fair. But they've also got other things which are absolutely fantastic. I mentioned about making sure the index is fun. So um, is there more risk? Uh, I think the question is, I'd say it's different risk. But, uh, you know, you can still have exposed to those guys, but we all know also that there's huge sentiment for the younger guys. So rather than moaning about it, get on board and you know, and still have some of the guys you like as well. You don't have to be either or, guys. Yeah. Um, Dr. Mantis Toboggan, MD, FI addict. Who's going to be the king of the index before the Euros and what price? We'll try and snap this one out. So I'm going to go... Oh, fuck. I'm going to go Sancho, 16 quid. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot in terms of the price. I think there's so much of that depends on what FI do in the coming three months. But yes. I'm going to say they do all right, but we don't get uh, 20 quid Sancho by the Euros. Like. Uh, I, I'd say uh, no. I'd, I'd say we can get around 20 for the uh, king of the index there. I'd say we'd definitely get around 20 to be honest. Um, and I would go Sancho as well. I mean, you've just got the Euros and a transfer probably cooking away. Um, the transfer is going to be huge for him. Exactly. So, you know, I, I see uh, I see him, you know, this, the, I, I wanted the Sancho move to be delayed because you just go again, deja vu is mm. going to be beautiful in that one. 20, yeah, okay. Uh, 16 might be conservative. 16 to 20. Let's see what happens. 
Uh, we have a couple more here. Um, there's a few we're going to have to skip over just on time. But uh, Morgan Carter sent me one of the DMs. Uh, for those of us who aren't experienced with Excel and spreadsheets, what is the minimum data we should be logging every month to improve our trading? Uh, what's the minimum data you should be logging to improve your trading? Um, so, I mean, you don't necessarily need to have a spreadsheet. It's up to you. You know, like uh, you want to be logging players. For me, I'll see what I do. It's probably the easiest way to answer this. So I do the download uh, periodically of the transaction summary in my players. And I look at the players that, you know, I have most of my portfolio is set up for long-term holds. So I can monitor that. And I think you made the point as well earlier that, you know, you might have done a recycling of shares and in the app, it makes it look like you've lost money, but you just bank profit and that's it in a way. So you want to know that. So I've got a spreadsheet that shows me trades that I've closed on players that I no longer own and I can see how great that trade was. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of shitters in it as well. But, um, <laughs> you know, but it's good to have that information. And then um, on my current holds, you know, I might have topped them up on a deposit bonus and then I might have exited that or something like that. Excuse it. Um, and it's important to see, you know, if you've been trading a long time like I have, to see those overall numbers because the numbers in the app uh, can be a bit misleading if you bought and sold the same player a little bit. Um, and then I dive into uh, the types of players I own. I try and categorize them. I, I'm just pretty much just talking about that, you know, old players, young players. There's plenty more categories you can have, you know, transfer, non-PB, that kind of stuff. And I just d divide them all up. Um, so then I can look at my percentages of exposure. Um, in numbers of players and and um also set in terms of value um and then it allows me to try and get the right balance uh you know i over the last few months i've been buying um some defenders i think it's a good market right now uh and i think there's some good young defenders out there that have got decent pb games but the reason i've been buying them as well is because i just didn't i thought i didn't have enough P, um, defender exposure in my portfolio um and you know, that, that was really highlighted on my spreadsheet. So I've been increasing my my um, my my um, my exposure there. And also my spreadsheet tells me how how uh, exposed I am to some of my big holds. So I could tell you right now that you should buy X player, Y player, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to because I've probably got enough exposure as in percentage terms in my port to them. I'm just going to enjoy the 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 rise you know, and I'll buy other players even though I think they're good buyers so it depends how you think about things I like to think in percentages and I just see it as I would if I was building my own um, uh, you know investments in in financial markets there so you want to get a percentage of risky you know risk in there if someone's a bit speculative and you want to get some nice what you know blue chip companies you know like your, your Sancho's and people like that um, Mbappe's you know, Neymar whoever um, that are you're going to be your, your, your steady ones so, you know, so I, I want I have a mix of people that are uh, average baseline really high and I have players that have got peak baseline really high and I sort of try and plot all that out and then try and make sure I've got a good, a good mix um, and sort of uh, quantify players that I've got. I'm looking to exit soon because they're, they're short-term flips and then I start planning where I'm going to put that money next. But spreadsheets are all about what you want out of them. Yeah, that's what they're customizable. So I use mine to sort of track the true the true numbers i've made on players and to to quantify my my portfolio to see to judge if i'm correctly exposed as i as diversified as i as i would see fit but other people would do it differently and um i would i would sort of start building it out yourself rather than uh, looking for other people would find that boring and look at other things but that's how i do it well and this is they don't actually sponsor the show at the minute but they did before um index track i mean if you can't be fucked with your own excel spreadsheets and stuff morgan 
or anyone else out there. I just know that I've looked at them before and they have some really good tools for categorizing holds and they timestamp. They basically take your transaction history and they put it all in front of you and take averages that you've paid for players. And they can do a lot of that for you. And I mean, genuinely, I think I still have a code. It's in the description of this for a month free. You may as well try that if you're if you're struggling with this. Try it. Uh, Index Track. They do a great job. And I think after that, it's only like two or three quid a month. So that may be worth trying if you're you're struggling to log your data or or track things. Um. And then equally, if that doesn't work for you, you can transition out into different things and, and try whatever works. But, do you know, I, I'd say to anyone listening, if you haven't tried it, you may as well. There is a code in the description, I'm pretty sure, uh, for a month free. But, yeah, that was an impromptu plug. They didn't even pay me for that, would you believe, Perry? Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, he's setting yourself short. But, you know, if we're, if we're, I mean, I think I use Index Game personally. And yeah. that they're, they're my portfolio, I think. I think it's called. Um, Some again, some criticism. That's brilliant for tracking the spreads on what also your portfolio but also the whole thing and and that's really key to trading right now um and you know that this in this uh you know it's invaluable really so getting that and fi should be building these things as well um you know and i, I would be looking at players that are under their all-time high by quite some way and seeing them as as good good um players to buy you know based on that data because their way up is really quick someone that's that's peaking is going to be more money needs to go into mm. to um to uh get them up so if you can see that sort of data clearly um, anywhere, then that's the kind of thing you should be thinking about to inform your training decisions. But, you know, data helps, but it's how you use it is the key for your profit. Absolutely. One last question here, and I don't know the name of the person because I just took the screenshot you shared with us on Twitter and I have it in a Word document here, so thank you for your question, whoever you are. Uh, should we as traders take more responsibility for our bad trades, sheep mentality when a trade doesn't work out instead of being better towards the platform? We are witnessing a market correction on football index since the start of order books, which will now allow us to see the truest valuation of our players according to traders, not influenced by podcasters or biased stats on Twitter, which benefit an individual's portfolio. Having your own valuations and exit points in a player will see you become far less stressed if your imaginary green numbers fluctuate. We as traders must change our mindset if we're going to be successful with the full implementation of order books. Yeah, so it's part question, part like manifesto or something. This, yeah, statement. Um, so I love the bit calling out podcasters. Uh, you know, I am a scumbag. It's true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it seems it seems to be the case. Yeah, uh, no, no joke. But um, yeah, I mean, it's quite loaded, isn't it? So you know, uh, um, so I'll break this down. Uh, he was talking about sheep mentality. I love it. I think, you know, uh, <laughs> Let's go find his name while you talk. Yeah, he, he, uh, he should relax. Um, should we also take more responsibility for our bad trade? Yes, and I've, I've seen this a lot. Like, oh, you know, I'm on this player, you know, and uh, he's um, I, I can't sell him. I'm like, yeah, because the mark you need someone to think the opposite of you in order to exit trades. And if you've got a player that's like absolute dog shit now, um, this uh, you know, Benega, for instance, he's now gone to um, a non-PB league. You know, no one's going to be buying him at the moment. So if you still got him, then yeah, you're you're in a hole. Um. That's not anyone else's fault other than your own for not doing that, for, for not researching that and, and acting on it. So, yeah, that's not FI's fault that, or any exchange operator's fault that if you've done a bad trade. So people need to to uh, get used to that. But I do get that they used to have the safety net of IS offering. What, everyone used to moan how wide those spreads were, but they were pretty tight at times. And um, they had that safety net, and that's just been taken away from them. So I know it's a sudden shock and, and people that weren't prepared for that. But we've also been without is for a long time now and you know it's not fi's fault if you've done a bad trade and you need to think about 
the exit points. I said this earlier, you know, there'd be certain players that you might hold a, hold a player at the moment, you were hoping got a big move and it didn't happen. So you're now, transfer window's closed. Well, it's not quite closed yet, but you know what I mean? And you can say, oh, I want to sell him. Oh, and then, oh, now if I shit because I can't sell him. Well, it's not quite the case, actually. You know, if you, ha you might have to hold him for a year and then the window or till January, or he might start playing well in a game and then there's a bit of excitement, you know, IPD or something, and then you can exit then. But just moaning at this precise moment in time, when no, there's no demand for him, you know, you need to take responsibility and time your trades rather than just thinking you can exit at any, any moment. And then the next bit, we are witnessing a market correction, uh, which uh, now allows you to see the truest valuation. Now, this is a can of worms, but I would say <laughs> the lowest 300 or the lowest 900 shares is not a true valuation. So we've gone from the most optimistic in the old system to the most pessimistic. And there is a, there is a middle ground there somewhere. So I don't think seeing what someone, uh, yeah, when all the time we've gone from, you know, it being really hard to move prices to one person or two people or as little as two, you know, can move a price significantly. I'm talking about when the uh, the sea, the um, floor is doesn't cap in order books. But even now, you can just keep going lower, lower, lower. It's just more laborious. Um, so I don't believe we've got the truest valuation. And then I also, I'm going to stick up for the podcasters out there. I think you'll mm -hmm. do a good job. Um, that I don't think that they're influencing people. And if you're you're you know if you're listening to someone and then following them what they say, then more for you but if you're the brilliant thing about the fi community and the podcast and the videos that are done things like that is it, it helps inform you and you can make better decisions based on all the information you have there's a lot of guys here i agree with you you made the point earlier that yeah you watch more european football now i certainly do but if some people are fanatical about it and you can just listen to them and think oh i didn't know that guy is playing more offensively now that's an mm. interesting nugget of information i'll go research a bit more on that yeah, really this guy's that. now on corners oh fuck i missed that yeah the weekend. yeah so you can take that you know i mentioned i'm big into horse racing now that is all about tipsters and things like that but you just you you get as much information as you can and then based on that yeah you watch some videos as well you know like the actual races and things or you watch them live at the time and then you start making collect it all together and making the decision now if i lose i don't go back to every tipster that, that, that said a horse was decent you're just making decisions based on the data so i don't see why anyone needs to get a bad rep for those things but it is different on fi like you know like we've got don was meant to be on this and he's not and you know he's in the, he's got in trouble for um with the community for sort of you know, you know putting things out there about trent and then uh it's uh and then you know we saw later that he bought more and it's the fact that people got money stuck in here and you know, and people are more i get more i don't mind tipsters but it's people that talk down things i think it's a lot more emotive um so i see why people you know don't like that but you've ultimately shouldn't be making financial decisions based on someone you've never met uh, telling you something so you know you could, people have got to take responsibility for that um the next bit this guy's done well to get a lot of questions in on one statement well that's uh, having he took own, it out note screenshot no one yeah, yeah yeah so having your own valuation expert in the player will see you become far will see you become far less stressed if you imagine your green numbers fluctuate so I don't think the numbers before were imaginary. You know, the market moved in the correct way. Some players had long sales queues or people that didn't want to sell queues and they're overinflated. But at the other times, a lot of the players were valued correctly. So you just get away with this imaginary uh, idea. Uh, you know, people talk about market whole, the whole market when they're really talking about individual players. Uh, we'll see become less stressed. Uh, but are, yeah, you should have your own valuations and you shouldn't just be thinking about what the lowest price is. Just because the price has gone down doesn't mean you sell. You know, I've got players that are down a lot than what they were, but I've got that price in mind that I want to sell at. 
and or, or the event that I want to happen that I'll sell into. And you, people need to be focused on that. Uh, and his last bit, we as traders must change our mindset. We're going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. Everyone needs to. Everyone needs to adapt. And, and human beings are slow at adapting. So it's all part of what we've seen in the prices. So um, I agree uh, with that bit. That was DWT, DW Trader. There you go. Bit of tension on the air there. Doesn't, doesn't like you podcasters. Apparently not. But um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Perry. Look, I think that's all we've time for. Thanks for uh, carrying the show today with the absence of Big Dawn. All right. Well, look, go and find uh, Fi Perry, Perry Fi over on on Twitter. And um, yeah, Perry. Look, thank you very much for your time. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me on. Cheers. Cheers.